0: Hey guys, it's Arthur from the Good Trash Media Network. I just wanted to say thank you to Loot Crate for sponsoring this week's episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast. Out of Oklahoma City, you're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com.
1: Hello everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we discuss the films that will never find their way into a film studies course syllabus. This week's film is a documentary about the Jim Morrison song, Roadhouse Blues. That's right, we're watching Roadhouse. Uh, Perhaps not so much. I I thought it was going to be about the history of Texas Roadhouse. Yeah,
0: that's what I watched. I watched that documentary.
2: Peanut
3: shells on the ground, it's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's the title of it, peanut shells on the ground. Roadhouse.
4: That's that's the the tagline? Yeah. I tell you right now, if
3: I walk into a restaurant and there's peanut shells on the ground, I immediately
1: want to (laughs) leave.
3: I'm all about it. Wait, really? I'm all about it. I fucking hate Yet it. Yet, you like this movie? No, this movie's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go,
1: dear listener. We are going to be talking about the Patrick Swayze-Sam Elliott joint film uh, Roadhouse. It's um, Kung Fu in a bar, and it's going to be lots and lots of fun to discuss it, but we must first identify the disembodied voices speaking orally directly into your brain and mind. To my left, sir, who are you? Uh, my name is Dalton Stewart and Dustin,
3: you're too stupid to have
1: a good time. That's probably true. Um, across the table, sir, our regular producer. Who are you, sir?
3: I am Arthur Gordon, and
0: I don't fly. It's too dangerous.
1: That's fair enough. Um, to my right, sir, who are you?
2: Uh, my name's Caleb Masters, and and has a traumatic experience.
1: A, a polar bear
0: fell on me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope good. you shot it
1: my several times. My name is Dustin Sells. This would be such a nice podcast, but now you have to sweep up all the eyeballs at the end of the day. <laughs> And we are so glad (laughs) this movie. (laughs) goddammit And pain don't hurt. Uh, We're gonna be talking uh, about this uh, Patrick Swayze film, which is probably not gonna find its way to Bill Phillips' course. Which is weird
3: because it's about man's search for faith and that sort of shit. Uh,
1: (laughs) Sure, yeah, yeah, analysis. Uh, well, there you go, dear listeners. Now, we need to warn you, this is not a review show. If somehow you have missed this film that is merely 30 years old, um, we are going to be spoiling it. And uh, that's just the way it's going to... I'm nearly 30, 25, 26. That's very... Almost 30
0: years. It's as old
1: as I am. we creeping up on that shortly. Yeah, so it's been around for a minute, but we are going to be spoiling it when we do analysis, because analysis sort of requires some of that. But we will give you somewhat of a reprieve. We will have a synopsis from The Voice of Cinema. We will have our thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews. We will then move into our gameplay, which may involve some minor spoilerage. And then once we get down to business and do our analysis... And we'll have a business time queue for you all for that We will be in massive spoiler territory So you have been warned Without any further ado Dr. Arthur Gordon, voice of the cinema Let's hear that synopsis now
0: This may be one of my favorite synopsis ever
1: oh, Go on
0: A tough bouncer is hired to tame a dirty bar
2: <laughs> whoa, whoa! Taming that dirty bar—that's that is 100% what this movie. Is about. That, now, now, what, 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 listeners? It's up for you to decide exactly what this movie is about based on the synopsis. Okay, well, there you
1: go. <laughs> Let's go ahead and find out what our biases are, if there are any. And I, I anticipate some bias. I'm going to go first for um, reasons uh, to Mr. Dalton Stewart to, to
3: the to the good trash media's very own uh, cooler, <laughs> Dalton. Um. So, this isn't a host pick per se, but I am the one that put it in the AB Randomizer 2000 um, and have been looking forward to talking about this movie pretty much for as long as we've been doing this podcast. I have been looking forward to talking about this movie. I mentioned at the end of last week's episode, when we teased that we would be discussing Roadhouse, that I am, in fact, named after Patrick Swayze's character in this movie. Uh, this movie came out in 1989. I was born in October of 1990. Uh, and uh, My mother denied it for years, but eventually I asked her, Mom, am I named after Swayze's character in Roadhouse? Uh, and she was like, well, Dalton was a name that was already on the table. But when me and your dad went and saw Roadhouse, that clinched it. <laughs> so I am named after Swayze's character in this movie. So I, I have a deep history of this movie. I think this movie gave me my first boner. Um, If I have to recall, like I saw this movie for the first time when I was probably seven or eight.
0: When Swayze gets out of the bed. Yeah, yeah, that's when it was. When
3: when uh, the bartender like her ovaries cannot contain themselves. (laughs) She fucking splooges on uh, Swayze's floor from looking at his sweet buns. Uh, Not a body double, Uh, but also speaking of, did you notice that nobody in this movie wears underpants? That's an accurate statement. Nope. Yeah. yeah, nobody. Uh, Swayze pulls on his jeans, no no undies. Uh, Sam Elliott shows his scar, and you can see that sweet, sweet bush. Uh, Kelly Lynch never wears panties. Yeah. The only person that wears panties is uh, Hank... Uh, uh, not Hank. Ben Gazzara's... A blonde—I uh, don't even know what to call her—his girlfriend? Question mark. She wears the the, uh, the most '80s underpants I've ever seen, but as far as I can tell, no one else wears underwear. Well, Dalton, this is a movie about rural America in the 1980s, so it's not they... rural. It's the outskirts of Kansas City. That's not that rural. That's rural. Okay, fine. Um, anyway, I, I said all that to say this: I am biased pro with this movie, but I, I need you to know, listener, that, that is without the slightest trace of hipster irony. I legitimately love this movie. I think it is a bonkers fucking 80s action masterpiece. Yes, this movie is stupid. Yes, it is completely absurd and silly. But throughout the film, it always operates on its own internal logic. And it never breaks the rules of that internal logic. We are living in a world where I assume the same world that uh, Coyote Ugly and Cocktail take place in where <laughs> bars are the pinnacle of Western are public drinking is the pinnacle of Western civilization and the people that facilitate your public drinking are celebrities because everybody has heard of Dalton. Everyone has heard of Dalton. Everyone has heard of, has heard of this guy who's literally just a bouncer. Small town America. Uh, well, but that's the thing. He's from New York. They don't ever say where he's bouncing at at the start of the movie, I don't think. Uh, But it's just everyone has heard of this guy. Um, And it's amazing. I love it. I love the weird internal logic of this movie. Everybody's heard of Wade Garrett, too. Like, everybody's heard of Sam Elliott's character. Um, And uh, I I love this movie. I think it's completely silly. Um, I I definitely like the first two acts more than the third act. Uh, I I like it more before it devolves into just a full-on action movie, uh, although that is very satisfying as well. Uh, when they when they shoot the sh- the shotgun shoots the car in midair and it explodes that that part is pretty dope. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, before that part, this is a movie. If anybody has ever said to you, "I used to fuck guys like you in prison," it's from Roadhouse. That line's from this movie, and then immediately after saying that, that person gets his throat ripped out and gets roundhouse kicked. <laughs> that, that happens in this movie.
4: Yeah, it Swayze
3: does, does Lakeside. Tai Chi and sweatpants <laughs> in this movie. That, 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 was the, that was probably the pinnacle of this film. He angrily boxes and climbs a rope and tries to pick a fight with his mentor played by Sam Elliott. <laughs> Sam Elliott puts his hair back in a dope samurai ponytail before kicking a guy's knee out, bending down to look him in the eyes and goes, that fucking hurts, doesn't it? Uh, this movie is a goddamn masterpiece, and anyone who says
1: otherwise has no soul. Alright, well thank you very much for that Mr. Dolph For the soulless review, let's go to Mr. Caleb Masters. Yeah, uh, thanks, Dalton. I have no soul.
2: Um, you know, actually, I decided I'm, I'm going to keep this short and brief. Kale, this last month, I'm beginning to think you
3: just hate fun.
2: No, <laughs> I, 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 I have expectations for what I want to see when I sit down to watch a movie. Um, and I, I'm not. And that, I'm glad you brought that up because here's why I'm keeping review short. Because I'm really tired. I, I'm legitimately tired of feeling like I'm trashing everything. It's been a rough summer, guys. I'm sorry. It's been a rough summer full of lifeless, soulless things. So I don't want to trash this movie. I'm just going to leave it to the point of where I'll, I'll lay it down here. It's it's really dumb. I think it's really bad. Now, whether you think it's fun or not is up for your own, you know, your, your own taste to decide. Um, it's silly. It's ultra 80s with mullets to prove it. Like, crazy mullets to prove it. Um, and not only do I think this movie's bad, I just... It's just not for me. It's just not for me. There's a reason when I went to college... And moved to the big city of Oklahoma City, which is kind of funny. so' we're not that big, but when I moved to Oklahoma City and an Do you actual mean small town America, uh, <laughs> compared to big cities, it would be considered kind of small town. But I would still say Oklahoma City is a lot more metro than where I grew up at. So when I moved to a metropolitan area, um, I decided I was kind of done with rural America politics, rural America, like everybody knows everybody, uh, people being entertained by just drinking. Like I don't know, that's just really, not my cup of tea. It's like it, it, everything people in this movie do were things that I hated about growing up, and so I have some baggage to this film, and it just doesn't interest me. And I just roll my eyes a lot. There are some fun Swayze moments. Swayze's having a blast. Uh, I'll put that out there. Like Swayze and Sam Elliott yeah, are at their peak they, in this they, movie. I, I admittedly, I, the highlights of the movie. So I don't, want, I, I don't want to totally thrash this movie, but I, this movie is just not for me. And I, I'm just tired of, I, I'd rather, I prefer not to be forced to have to think about life and rule lower to lower class middle America, unless I absolutely have to. So, that's about my review. Oh, so
3: it's the elitist
2: review. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I just, here's the thing. The everything bougie. I hated about my hometown is in this movie, like, cranked up to a 12. Like, everything I hated about you growing my hometown. Your hometown
3: had uh, topless pool parties.
2: You want to? You better believe there were topless pool parties. They weren't nearly as attractive as these. I have fucking cleaned house, in <laughs> I I, buddy. Clean you don't house. know. You don't know the Connorsville. So <laughs> had uh, you know,
3: to. I bet you people go
1: to bars. Yeah, so I would
2: have
3: rolled they, in like Dalton. <laughs> <one laughs> fucking
1: clean house
3: in Connorsville. I would have cleaned up the town. Either way. <laughs> My point is,
2: I have inherent biases with not to not enjoy this movie. So there, there it is. Well, there you
1: go, dear listener. Caleb likes the bourgeoisie schlock. Moving right along. <laughs>
3: exactly. I enjoy. <laughs> I just really don't. Yeah, he likes his schlock more Pacific Rim, and yeah. I like my schlock more
1: Roadhouse. There you go, uh, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What do you say in terms of your thumbs up, thumbs down review? Yeah.
0: I think this movie is beautifully absurd, and it owns it throughout. I love seeing Terry
3: Funk here. Uh, I always appreciate that. Well, Terry yeah, Terry Funk, the pro wrestler, is one of the lead uh, bad guys. And I forgot yeah, to mention great. one. John Doe, the lead John singer Do from X, from yeah. X yeah. is the, the sleazy bartender. Bartender, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so which this, is awesome.
0: Yeah, they were fun to see. Uh, I think, for the most part, the cast works for what the movie is doing. I think it is just fun, delightful film that isn't hurting anything. It's, it's just so much fun. I had so much enjoy watching this movie. Uh, and I appreciate that. I think it's infinitely quotable. I think it has some things to say about violence in small towns. Mm-hmm. I like that it avoids some obvious tropes. Uh, I, pre- I appreciate uh, that the love story here is like the D-plot of the film. I like that there are a number of story arcs occurring and the way they resolve. Uh, my biggest qualm with the film is in the editing. There's some really rough editing, yeah, continuity stuff. Uh, I like that this film isn't super embroiled in the 80s. Uh, This movie could have been released anywhere from the late 70s to the mid-90s, almost as is uncut. I would agree
3: with that, especially with the music. Uh, yeah. It gives, gives it a timeless yeah, that Jeff Healy feel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, Jeff Healy's
0: so fucking good. good I yeah.
3: found that he died. I didn't know he had passed. Yeah,
0: 2008. Uh, unlike most of the 80s movies we've watched this year, and we actually have done quite a few this summer, and I really appreciate that because I'm getting to see stuff I haven't seen or haven't seen in a long time and getting to revisit that. Uh, I don't think that this bleeds 80s. We don't have that super synth soundtrack running throughout the film. It occurs now and then. A lot of the music is kind of timeless. We got that Jeff Healy stuff, but we also have older stuff uh, playing at the bar, so it's able to subvert a lot of that. Um, my wife and I had a good time and that's really more than I expected I really did expect to kind of hate this film uh, but I was more than pleasantly surprised with
1: it thank you for that review Mr. Arthur Gordon I appreciate it very very much what I would say in terms of review is this it's not a good movie I don't like it but I like watching it and uh, there is a difference Yep. And it is a lot of fun to watch. I have an enjoyable time. I laughed, you know, and all those sort of things. There are uh, absolutely absurd points, uh, and I will tell you this: this is what we, we're going to bookend our reviews with—the personal stories. Um, Dalton told the, the the story of his uh, naming and whatnot. I grew up in a roadhouse bar, basically. And uh, with characters like these people, no coolers, no bouncers, it wasn't anything Damn. like that. But uh, my, my stepmom was a regular bartender, and I played a lot of darts and a lot of pool between ages ten and fourteen uh, in a bar. Yeah, uh, be, just be, like this.
3: because in small towns there there is no such thing as carding. That's, that's as what
1: you, that's what you do. Yeah, well, things. that and everyone knows I wasn't drinking. Yeah, you know? well, at least I wasn't in front of anyone. <laughs> we'll discuss that at some other point. Um, Sam Elliott is my dad um, in this particular film. Sam Elliott is not my dad, and uh, the rest his oeuvre, but if you want to know from which I spawned, a man like Sam Elliott's character, um, absolutely. Wade Garrett is just like my dad. Although my dad is not quite as able in a fight, I will absolutely confess this. Um, he is uh, a, a bit slider man. But the expressions, there is a sidelong expression that Sam Elliott gets where he cocks his eyebrow and he squints just a little bit and he smiles out of the corner of his mouth mm-hmm. and my dad does that all the time. Dustin, you've get-
3: Entirely too much
1: brains that would ask that good. Right. <laughs> so I've been told. Um, but that is another subject altogether. So therefore I have immense amounts of fun watching this otherwise mindless action film, but that's what I like. I like some bofu, kung fu, I like this sort of stuff that happens in There's no bofu in this film. There's bofu and things. No, 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 no. no. Brofu. Brofu. We just invented a new genre. Brofu.
2: I'd watch a Uh, brofu
3: film. Are we sure this is? That's my new spinoff, guys. I'm gonna talk about brofu. Brofu. That's
0: yes. Want
1: to learn some brofu?
3: Everybody was (laughs)
0: brofu
1: fighting. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right, so all their baseball caps were turned around backwards as they were fast as light. Moving right (laughs) along, uh, we are um, telling you these things so you know our biases. They are generally pro with some exception and some reservation qualifications and what have you and what not. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a pause for the cause and uh, have a brief word from
3: our sponsors.
0: Thank you for turning in to A Word From Our Sponsors. This week on A Word From Our Sponsors, we're taking a look at Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription service that sends you a wonderfully curated box of geeky goodness. Each month focuses on a different theme such as dystopia, time, space invasion, and the future. Loot Crate also has subscription boxes for pet lovers, gamers, anime fans, and their newly announced WWE box. So if you want to take your nerd game to a new level, head over to LootCrate.com forward slash GoodTrash and use promo code Trash to receive $3 off of your first box. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming.
1: It's time to play the game.
4: Time to play the game!
1: This week's game is going to be our recast of
3: Roadhouse. Uh, that's right. Uh, recast your remake of Roadhouse, brought to you by the impending Roadhouse remakes, starring Rowdy Ronda Rousey as Dalton? Um Daltina. Daltina. Uh th- th- there's no feminine for the name Dalton, uh, as it turns out. Is that her is her name actually Daltina? There's it's just it's literally the lead. there's okay. a script and Ronda Rousey is attached. Uh actually I don't even know if there's a script. The movie's been greenlit and Ronda Rousey's okay. attached. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We are going to cast our own Roadhouse coming out in 2018, presumably. Yeah, we are. I'm so excited. Uh, Arthur, go first, because I can't wait to hear yours. I've been I've been dying to hear your picks.
0: All right, this is the Roadhouse remake, as directed by Jeremy Saulnier.
3: Fuck yes! Oh, God, I'm so hard right John, now. He's not just hard, he just blew his load right there. <laughs> Keep talking.
0: Starring Sebastian Stan as Dalton.
3: That's a pretty good pick, man.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I kind of struggled. I had a couple of options. Jake Gyllenhaal was my runner up. Uh, for Doc, I'm going to put in Carrie Mulligan. I need some chops in this movie, and Carrie yeah. Mulligan's got him in spades, and she's a sweetheart. For Wade, Dalton's mentor, the hardened uh, vet of barroom cooling, I want Idris Elba. Dude,
3: yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you read my mind. Yeah. You, we'll get there in a second.
0: Yeah, I want Idris Elba because. Idris Elba. I want him in all the things.
3: Especially like crusty old, like he's been doing this for way too long,
2: Idris Elba. That's perfect.
0: I want for the kind of kingpin of the town, I want Ron Perlman because he can play sleazy bad guy uh, with ease. And then for Tillman, the owner of the bar who brings Dalton in, I want Paul Giamatti. Oh, that's to a just rock it. good pick. To Nice. Yeah. That is my Roadhouse remake for you.
1: Oh, we like that very much. You've already won, Arthur. I don't even know why we're going to play. But we're going to try anyway. Dalton, what are your picks? Okay. Uh, this was extremely difficult for me uh, for
3: obvious reasons that we have talked about. Um, it's been hard. So, I, I really struggled with this because I wanted more than anything to cast an American um, in this movie. Now, I, I went ahead and did both. I went ahead and cast a Roadhouse remake with a male lead and with a female lead. Um, and I wanted nothing more than to cast an American, but God damn it, I just couldn't do it. Uh, there's there's nobody... Uh, there's no young, up-and-coming male American actors that fit the bill for me. Um, I wanted... And we talked about this, and I said I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and say Celine Murphy. I, I like his unassuming badassery oh, yeah. on Peaky Blinders a lot, and I think... He, because he's humorless on that show, and Dalton is kind of humorless. Uh, he, he's got a rye. I mean, Sam Elliott's character, the way Garrett character is, is the humor. Uh, Dalton is kind of world weird and uh, is carrying a lot on his shoulders. And I think, basically, if you've seen Peaky Blinders, you you see why Killian Murphy is a perfect choice for this role. Four. My Wade Garrett. I want motherfucking Denzel Washington, the greatest actor of all time period. Nine. So, yes. Arthur, you read my mind. Yeah, I, I want I want old man action Denzel, like Equalizer Denzel, <laughs> Out of Time, uh, Matt Whitlock Denzel. I want I want my I want my older Denzel. That's actually a little too young, uh, but I just watched Out of Time, so I got Denzel on the brain. Um, yeah, I think Denzel would be great as the mentor character. You got the Denzel walk, you got the Denzel lip, you got the Denzel look, you got it all. You got your Denzels man. Um, I was with you, Arthur, that I wanted somebody. I need I needed Doc to have a more substantial role in this movie. Um, so I, I thought about it for a while and I decided this is tentative. I've gone Scarlett Johansson because I want Doc in a fight scene. I feel like 2016 calls for a Doc that can flip ass just fine on her own. So that's where I went with that. Mostly because I like ScarJo.
0: I almost went with ScarJo
3: as well. But that's where I went. I didn't cast um, Ben Gazzara's character, um, but off the top of my head, we talked about this. I, I would say fucking Christopher Walken, uh, who occupies a similar place of easy sleaze. Uh, now, warm my Lady Roadhouse. Uh, Ronda Rousey's attached. Uh, in terms of uh, female MMA fighters, I prefer Gina Carano. I just do. I think she's a little bit better uh, in the things that I've seen her in. Um, I would also easily go Michelle Rodriguez. Um, yeah. I think mm, yeah. yeah. that's Yeah. For Doc, okay, this is going to seem like I'm I'm being intentionally, like, exploitative. I'm not. I think it's more interesting. I want Ruby Rose as the Doc. Yes, I picked a lady love interest for the lady lead. It just feels more roadhouse. I'm sorry. I can also pick a, a, dude, male, a, a dude love interest for Cillian Murphy. It's Ryan Gosling, because uh, I want somebody real sexy, but a little bit rye gazing, kind of delicate feminine features, ruby rose, super androgynous. I want. I think it's more interesting. It's irrelevant though. I also very, very strongly thought about having Baby Goose uh, be my Dalton. Oh, he uh, is my Dalton. You've already stolen uh, my yeah, because dry. Thanks yeah. for that. Sorry, man. Uh, my Wade Garrett uh, for my Gina Carano led uh, Roadhouse is fucking Scott Glenn uh, because yeah. Uh, yeah, Scott Glenn whoops so much ass, dude. He, he is the oldest badass in the world. Um, and those are those are my picks uh, I feel very strongly about them, I'm quite proud of them Very good, well done,
1: Mr. Dalton Stewart um, Mr. Caleb Masters, what are your selections?
2: Yeah, well, you know, Dalton This is his basically his pick So I wanted to celebrate in a way that Dalton would truly appreciate So I'm, re- I'm going to recast this well, Actually, yeah, first, I'll, I'll tease you a little bit here It's going to be directed by John Woo
3: Okay, that's a good pick. I didn't okay.
2: pick a director. Okay, I, I, just, I, I actually just did it because I saw I, as soon as Arthur said it, I was like, "Bam, got to fill a director in slot here." Okay, yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm not by John, John, Wou- John Wou- I need Wou- Wou- John Muldoon Wou- to go. Okay, go okay. Back John Wou- Muldoon. His- now get this: the rest of the cast is the cast from the Transformers movies. <laughs> so that I'm means gonna beat you to death. That means shoot. Dalton is. Hey, hey, I, I love Shia LaBeouf out of this at least. Uh, so we got we got Dalton is Bumblebee, Wade is Optimus Prime, Ironhide is Red. Of course, Brad's gotta be Megatron, and Teague has to be Starscream, and then lastly, <laughs> Mudflap and Skids are the are we're we gonna composite the characters to be the, the henchmen crushed by the polar bear. Oh, and I forgot Doc. Well, there's only you know we're gonna have a Beauty and the Beast complex because I want to I want to layer some extra complexity here on. So I'm gonna throw Megan Fox in there. Male machine, right there. Right there. Okay.
3: Well, thanks. I'm so, you know. gonna <laughs> you, Dalton. That's the thing that just happened.
1: Uh, okay, so I, 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 I'm. I'm. Hold on. I need a. I need a you second. You need a okay. minute. <laughs> I need a fucking minute, Dustin. So my directors are to either bring John McTiernan back, um, mm. okay, for this film, or I'm thinking a little Quentin Tarantino, y'all. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> the love for music and um, violence, I think, could be a thing with this particular film, and it would be very, very fun to see that happen directorially. Well, he he did write this movie practically
2: uh, from dusk till dawn, except for that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, he, well, it was obviously
1: it was a totally different movie in the second half, but oh, the first half yeah. setup was you know in a right
3: George Clooney would have been a great. Dalton. So I'm loving how yeah.
1: all my thunder keeps getting stolen here because it's exactly my rationale, Caleb. Thank you very much for that. Um, it makes <laughs> sense, though. It does. And so as Dalton has already previously stolen thunder, Ryan Gosling as Dalton. Obviously. That's a good pick. I mean, I think it would be great for that. I also think if we went British, I think Jude Law would do some things here. Yeah, that's not a bad pick either. Yeah, that'd be, be um, kind of fun. I, I like. But um, moving on to. Um, Wade Garrett. Um, guys, I think we bring Kurt Russell in. Yeah. Dude, I almost yeah. picked Kurt Russell. I almost I went there too, yeah. I mean, yeah, well that, that's what we bring in for Kurt He's got a comeback right now, so this is totally feasible. That would be such a good thing yeah, yeah, he can do sort of the agent, sort of whatever, you know. And I guess we've been turning it on as a second. You can do Bruce Willis, and that'd be okay.
3: We really could just
1: bring Sam Elliott back
3: too. Yeah, I mean, yeah you he could. You could, could pull it off. Well, in my
0: movie, he is the owner of the ranch where Dalton rooms. Like, he gets a cameo there.
1: Perfect. Yes. Yeah, That's that's his cameo. Yep. And, he, and he says beef. It's what's for dinner. But <laughs> around, i got to um, charge something. The fridge will get angry. For a Doc, I really <laughs> want to put Vera Flaminga in there. Um, dig it. I, I, think, I think she'd bring a little bit more gravity. Yeah, yep. yeah. And, uh, you know, we could flesh out oh, like I dig that a little bit more. I definitely so dig that. A, that is uh, you my gotta, recast.
3: You, I think the danger is, that's a really good cast, and I think the danger with recasting this movie is to skew young I really think you got to skew to your early to mid-30s. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you really have to. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, Kelly Lynch and Swayze are both in their mid-30s in this movie. Yeah. And I, I think you need to skew older. Well, that was almost my
0: mistake. I almost went younger. But I, th- yeah. that I realized that would make sense because Dalton's been around the block and he's been everywhere and people know who he is.
1: Dear Listener, we'd like to hear your picks on our bit of gameplay here and your love uh, for the film Roadhouse. You can do that via those magical means that we all know as social media. Arthur, can you say a few words about where we can be found? in a media social way.
0: Yeah, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash uh, good trash media. I guess I can start doing the at good trash media thing for Facebook now. I'm not sure how that whole thing's working, but I've seen that on there. Um, so at good trash media on Facebook, uh, find us on Instagram at good trash media. Uh, head over to the main website, good trash media.com. You can leave comments right there on the page. We just want to know that you're listening. We want to participate in a conversation uh, with you. That's why we do that. And if you really like what we're doing, if you really like uh, the content that we're putting out, because we do put out a lot of content, and that's partially thanks to Uh, listeners like you uh, who have gone over to patreon.com forward slash gtm Uh, they've seen what we're about Uh, they've decided to uh, financially support us and we appreciate that and so uh, because of that we get stuff like last week's episode where we looked at her a a great movie uh, thanks to daniel austin so if you're interested in uh, kind of getting a behind the curtains some cool swag and bonus stuff go over to patreon.com forward slash gtm
1: Thank you for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I believe there's yet one other means left available.
3: Dustin not don't hurt, but sometimes tweets do. So <laughs> we,
4: <laughs> we
1: are on Twitter
3: at good underscore trash. Uh, that is the source for all good trash media on Twitter. We tweet uh, all the links to all the shows. Uh, we talk a little bit about what we've got going on.
1: Uh, we, we talk a little bit of news. So yeah, go there for those things. Excellent. I was hoping you would bring the quotable thunder to that particular moment, so you I appreciate welcome. that very much. But guys, you know what? It's time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I know
2: what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's
1: business. That's right, dear Lister, and that business is analysis, and I'm excited to hear what analysis my co-hosts have brought forth this particular day. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what analysis do you have?
0: Well, one of the major things that I appreciate about this film is that it never directly boils down to the big city outsider coming in. In the introduction of the film, it really seems like Dalton is in New York. That's kind of where I've got it. He's in New York. It's some kind of club there. That's what it felt like to me. Okay. Uh, any any kind of big city, it really has, felt like he
3: has New York uh, plates on his Mercedes. Yeah, but I assume that was from when he went to NYU.
0: Yeah, so we're not really sure, but it really feels kind of like a New York type club, I think, um, or a big city club at least. Uh, but then he comes, and really the only kind of mention of that outsider big city thing we get is they, you know, somebody critiques when he pulls into the Double Deuce. Uh, that was a Detroit car not good enough yep, for you. Yep, uh, And so that's really the only moment we get that. And we do have this outsider coming in, uh, but he's never pegged as, you know, a big city type coming to mingle well, he, with the commoners. And he never
3: condescends to them.
0: No, he doesn't. Uh, and, and we get a feel a little later on after we see that he knows the band, uh, he knows Jeff Healy, and then, you know, his interactions with Wade, uh, that he's been around the block. He's probably been big city, small city, you know, anywhere that he's needed, kind of. Uh, you call, and he'll answer. You flash the Dalt Signal and yeah. he'll come uh,
1: and I really appreciate that about the movie yeah.
3: it's it's a it's a pack of uh, American Spirits and uh can of Lone Star that's the Dalton Signal <laughs> I'll be there in a hurry <laughs> don't you worry uh
0: and you know, for uh, you, we've kind of talked about this back and forth. Um, this movie is not set in a small town; it's set on the outskirts of Kansas City in Jasper, Kansas. And they mention things like malls and JC Penney's coming to town, which is a big deal for them in the late '80s. It would have been, uh, but the way I this brought Seven Eleven, he did bring the seven He brought Slurpees to Jasper, <laughs> by God. Um, but for all intents and purposes, with this movie, it's shot, it's designed, it's set to feel very rural. We only ever see two houses. Uh, a hospital, a bar, and a couple of other bomb and pop shops. Yeah, that's yeah, car really
3: dealerships. Like the most suburban thing we see. Yeah,
0: so it does have this very small town feel, even though it is part of the you know metro of Kansas City or whatever. Um, and a lot of that also plays with this idea that this feels a lot like a western. Uh, we got your outsider sheriff coming in. You know, he's he's literally going west, and he's moving into a work at a saloon. You know, he's kind of this outside sheriff type figure coming in. Uh, and so a lot of that is reminiscent of what you would see there. Uh, but this film is often about the economic classes, especially in the small-town setting, uh, and it's very eerily familiar with life in a rural area, which Caleb's already kind of uh, foreshadowed and attested to, and I kind of attested that, Dustin uh, can attest to that too, I think, as well. I've lived in two rural areas in my life, growing up and then later uh, after college, and in both of those cases, those cities existed similarly to Jasper. A few people held all the power and money. Uh, In one situation, most establishments were mom-and-pop shops just trying to get by, uh, with most of the power and wealth in the hands of landowners. Uh, And in the other city, many of the businesses were held by a few people, and other businesses didn't have much room for growth. And likewise, there's this idea of everyone knows everyone's business, or they've heard some variation on it. Of course, everyone deals with gossip, but in small towns, often that gossip encompasses everyone in the town and not just those in your immediate circles. Uh, I know growing up, I heard mentioned many times of people being uh, murdered and trapped, uh, becoming victims of arson and so on because they challenged the power of the wrong people in town.
3: Holy shit, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Holy shit, it's a thing.
2: Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, Especially if it's a small town where drugs are moved.
0: Yep.
3: Holy shit. Yeah. Guys, I... I could have been a cooler my whole (laughs) life. (laughs) I... I've you missed your calling. I've got to quit the podcast and become a kung fu expert.
2: Hey, hey, Dalton, I know a little town in the end. I can give a call. They might, they might need your help. You can be the, you can be the,
3: the bouncer there. Well, I've got to, I've got to go bounce at other places. I got to find a mentor. I've got to find. Uh, well, a... luckily,
0: Dustin's got Sam Elliott hair now, so it's he could be your uh, mentor. Sam right now,
3: <laughs> and I have never lost a fight. I, I, I blown <laughs> He's got away. a resume. I'm blown away right now that this shit really happened. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit, dude! Yeah,
0: and for those in certain areas, outsiders, relative peons, and so forth, uh, that didn't mean much. But for people who can make decisions or may try to challenge the status quo, uh, it could be more difficult for them. And now, Roadhouse is obviously a very large embellishment of those uh, ideas. Caleb mentioned it's cranked to twelve in a lot of ways, and that's uh, very accurate. Uh, but I think they are ideas that are reflective of the way life does work in a small city, uh, in many small areas, especially I think through the Midwest and the Bible Belt area. Uh, where, as Dalton just kind of listed, you may not expect it, but it does occur. Um, especially a lot of small towns, you have lower economics, so you do have a higher drug trade. Uh, my hometown was very well known for uh, meth, a lot of meth house, a lot of meth busts.
2: Yeah, uh, the uh, Connorsville, there was a little tiny community about two miles away from where I grew up, which was the largest meth capital in the entire uh, tri state area.
0: Yeah. And in many ways, uh, there's still this mentality of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, which leads to a degree of lawlessness. Uh, not quite the anarchy we see in Roadhouse, but there are occasions of things happening and being overlooked. And of course, I'm just talking about, you know, two to four cities, uh, that are just for us. But I mean, you look at the spate of everybody else and over time, uh, that's, you know, could be, you know, quite, The the thing, and I read uh, Ebert's review, Roger Ebert's review of this movie, uh, where he mentions that he had heard this had been based on a true story, uh, where a similar figure to Brad had been shot in broad daylight. Nobody seemed to have seen anything. Wow! And so, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing to you know to put, I think, into perspective here. It's a good old boy culture. And I also like the idea that this is an outsider coming into town who is able to challenge the status quo. And in many ways, it has to be just like in the westerns. It had to be somebody from out of town that could roll in, uh, to challenge that. Uh, he is able to come in as a blank slate and survey the situation. And I like the scene where Dalton first arrives at the double deuce to just, or the double. The double douche, as, as Wade refers to it. The double douche. Uh, to just see what's going on. He's testing the waters. And if you were to put a guy like Schwarzenegger or Stallone in there, I think that this whole thing just quickly blows up to giant set piece after giant set piece. And I feel like they're able to kind of give it a little room to breathe through here. Um, and it's a chance to better understand what Dalton's about. And many times that is what it takes to change a situation in areas that feature a small-city mentality. It takes someone who doesn't have to answer to the status quo, uh, someone who hasn't been conditioned by fear-mongering. Uh, Dalton has an answer for almost everything that Brad does and is able to stay ahead of him at almost every turn. Now, is this movie a masterpiece of cinematic art? No. But, in a decade ruled by muscle-heads shooting first and asking questions later, I think it presents a strong alternative Uh, to be nice, to do your best, and then if you are physically challenged to strike back. I had read critiques about the uh, vigilanteism of this film, but that's never really a thing until Dalton's been pushed way too far and has to do what he has to do to survive, I think. Um, I'll say more on that later. Okay. I think it has an interesting philosophy to the violence it presents, and I think that in keeping with the tropes of the Western that it plays out just as it should – Uh, the people are able to take back their city. Is it the best way to do it? Probably not. But Dalton proves it's okay to challenge the status quo, that we can stand up to the big business bullies who want to rule with an iron fist, and that we can make a decision that's better, uh, that betters the people and their livelihoods.
1: Well done, sir. Thank you very much for that. Um, there will be additional commentary along those lines. Along. Right. Well, right this second. Right this second. Oh, is there? Dolphin yep. Stewart. What analysis do you bring? So I. It's been probably a year and a
3: half. I made my, my girlfriend watch this movie recently. Um, she loved it uh, because she's a smart. She's a <laughs> uh, doctor. <laughs> girlfriend loved this movie. Um, and, but it's been you know year year and a half since I've seen it. <clears throat> So, going into Roadhouse, I, I, I just assumed I was going to be talking about toxic masculinity, as we often do. And was shocked when I realized, oh, fuck, no, I'm not. I'm actually going to talk about how this movie totally subverts it in really interesting ways. Because, as Arthur mentioned, Swayze's first, his whole, his rule number one, be nice. You are there to make sure people can have a good time. He is not somebody who looks for a fight. He he, kind of reminds me of you know, and this leads back to us you know calling this a, a pro fu movie. Uh, he he, he is like the warrior monk in, in your typical uh, you know straight like Hong Kong kung fu movie. He he is a pacifist who has the ability to pull massive amounts of ass and would really prefer not to. And that's something that I find really interesting is his insistence on not whipping ass. And I think what this film turns into is somebody with a large capacity for violence coming to terms with their distaste for violence and their ability to do violence. And I, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, you know, as we already talked about uh, the big fight scene in the movie between, um, I forget the character name, Ben Gazzara's uh, main henchman uh, and Swayze square off. And uh, it's been alluded to earlier in the film uh, that Swayze killed a guy in Kentucky or Tennessee. Memphis. Uh, Memphis he killed a guy in Memphis. And um, that's kind of part of why he, he leads this nomadic lifestyle. Well, we find out later that... Um, he killed the dude because he, he was fucking this guy's wife. Didn't know she was married. Turns out she was. Guy pulled a gun on him and he ripped his throat out. Uh, and it it stays with him. He carries it with him. This is not a, a film. This is not a character who just does wanton violence. Anytime he really hurts somebody, it's something that weighs heavily on him. As he says to Doc in the hospital, nobody ever wins a fight. Now, what happens is he does get pushed very far, as you said. And when his best friend gets murdered, he kind of loses sight of this. Be a spoiler alert, Sam Elliott totally gets murdered. And it's a real bummer. And Swayze is ready to murder people when it happens, he is ready to fucking kill people. Um, and that's what happens. He totally rips this dude's throat out. Actually, that might be afterwards, now that I think about it. Uh, because that's what happens. We the, uh, Ben Gazzera's main henchman pulls a gun on Swayze, and he rips his throat out, and uh, <laughs> drags his body closer to Ben Gazzera's house and says, fuck you, and throws it in the river. Which is awesome. Um, and I think what's interesting is, after he goes to Ben Gazzera's house, and takes out all the henchmen, he has a chance to kill Ben Gazzera, And he doesn't. And he stops. And I think it is this moment where he realizes I can't I can't do this. Like I can't keep doing this. I'm not going to murder this guy in cold blood, even though it's what I want to do, because that's not what I'm about. That's not the path that I'm walking. It's not who I am. And it's not the world that I want to see. Um, which leads me to what Arthur was talking about, was the liberation of the people. Uh, Swayze also recognizes that it's not his job to be these people's liberator. He was there purely to get revenge for... Um, his best friend and to make sure this woman that he's falling in love with is safe. That's why he shows up. That's the only reason he is not there to be these people's liberator. And that brings me to something I thought about to a lesser extent that we've talked about on the show before is um, the the liberation is not about one person. The movement is not about a figurehead. The movement to free yourself from the shackles of people, uh, of money, uh, is a group decision. And that is what happens. The the leaders of the community come together and say, hey, you know what? Fuck you, Ben Gazera, <laughs> and totally shoot him. Which, unfortunately, does undo a lot of the interesting, pacifistic things this movie says um, in, in its finale. Um, but, I, again, I think what it undoes in its stance on violence, it what is undone uh, by the indulgence in violence adds something interesting to say about, you know, Uh, The Worker's Rebellion, I think, a little bit uh, to to get Marxist with it. Uh, But, again, I I am really pleased that an action movie features somebody who and again, a lot of action movies pay lip service to the the silent hero who doesn't want to do violence. Um, I think more than lip service is paid here, especially with lines like nobody wins in a fight and uh, no, cocksucker is not personal. It's two nouns uh, prescribed to uh, to elicit a prescribed response. Fun stuff like that. Um, And and I just, I I find the character of Dalton so fascinating and so interesting, and I, not just because I'm named after him, uh, I think it's a really interesting take on an action hero who legitimately chooses not to do violence whenever he can. And I can see Dustin squinting, so I guess we'll move on to him and and hear his rebuttal.
1: Okay, so what I'm going to do is, um, you know, no matter how big the guy is, you take out his knee, he drops like a stone. Uh Um, I'm going to sort of do that same sort of kung fu technique on this film. I begin with the caveat of this. Um, You don't have to be ideologically um, in line with the film to enjoy a film. As we say all the time. And so I'm going to do some Lacan and ideology criticism of this film. So uh there you go dear listener I'm googling wikipedia away uh to keep up if need be. This is what's going on in this film is the film is full of a fetishistic disavowal of violence, as Dalton has put on, uh, as it's put forward uh, for us all, that this idea that nobody wins in a fight, and he is the sort of silent warrior who doesn't want to fight. But the thing is, the movie is set in such a way and paced in such a way that everybody wants the fight to happen, despite Dalton's unwillingness to do so. It is all about making us willing to fight, but also there giving lies the caveat, the rub about
3: the action movie with the badass who right. doesn't want to fight. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and what it does is it, it gives provide this opportunity. Is to say, okay, what we need to do is we need to use our violence in an appropriate way. And we do this against this sort of uh, scary, scary uh, corporate entity uh, character who is a a super bad guy. He's not good. But what happens in ideology in film, and I'm talking about ideology in the Antonio Gramsci sense, the idea of capitalist ideology pervading a capitalist culture, is that, yes, this guy's a bad guy because he's a criminal and because he is uh, doing these terrible, terrible abusive things, but it is yet another move of fetishistic disavowal because the film ends with a moment in which the oligarchs of the community are now given
3: power. See, I see it as community leaders, whereas you see it as oligarchs. That's interesting. Well, I, mean, I don't think it's like, not about the workers; it's R- about
1: the owners. R- Red is a work is an owner operator, though. Yeah, all of them are owner operators. But I mean, his, his I mean, end goal anticipation would be to have a chain, to have additional stores, additional uh, employees. Okay, Dustin. Capitalism exists in
2: America, yeah. including in in, in yeah. rural and,
1: America, and I, I think that's still going on, and certainly is going on in the situation in the bar itself. And so, again, it's not, it's not about a workers' revolt. It, it, it's about an oligarch's revolt against sort of a, uh, a monopoly in place of an oligarchy, which is still more of standard capitalism, but with these uh, this sort of dressing of faux-democracy, communal action, working upon it. But what, okay, what we okay. must do in order to defend that is we create some sort of enemy who is worse, who is more... Uh, Monoculture in his approach towards uh, you know commerce and whatnot. We're looking at the Soviet Union. We're looking at sort of Cold War kind of stuff uh, that goes on here at this point. This is before 1990, in the fall of Russia and the Soviet Union. And uh, so I, I think this guy is a stand. He's a thug. He's 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 sort of a Stalin type character, and he's wanting to own all the things. But he's not really necessarily in league with the workers, which again is something of a Western um, bias against what was going on in the Soviet Union at the time and so with the fetishistic disavow of violence because we can't just be sending our violent uh troops anywhere what we have to do is make sure that it's not just any bad guy just not anything it's, it, it's a real clear present threat mm-hmm. to I don't know financial interests in Mm -hmm. the community. And so he disavows that, then accepts it, but he can only do so after the death of the father. That's right. This is where Lacan comes in and the killing of Wade Garrett, who's like, you've got to move on. But even though we hold all this sort of internal violence and and anger and frustration, those things can be let loose, if only for the right reasons. The right reason being further capitalist, imperialistic exploits the world over, or in Jasper City.
3: And also heteronormative love.
1: Correct. Yes, absolutely. And so when he accepts that uh, moment of the death of the father, the nom de Paris, following Lacan. Then he's able to do these things, exact those violences, and restore an equilibrium to the community that is not, again, a a dictatorship of the proletariat, but it is a dictatorship of now the oligarchs who are now much more empowered to do uh, Mm -hmm. what they want to do, perhaps in a sort of a coalition, but nonetheless, uh, the power remains there. It remains a a firmly conservative film, uh, to my mind, uh, because of those reasons. I think we're both
3: right, and that's why this is a great movie. Oh, go on. I think we're both right. No, I I think your points are valid, and I think they're supported by the text. I think my points are valid and supported by the text. I would say you're right now. And that's why I I think this is a great film, is because you can have two readings that could not be any more different. One reading about giving power back to the people, one reading about violence as a last resort, one about reconciling your violent nature with your,
1: your desire for harmony and peace, and then you can have the exact opposite reading. The fundamental difference between Dalton and I I's reading, and it is a valid, a uh, different point of reading, is Dalton is reading um, Patrick Swayze's character, Dalton, as a, uh, a vicarious stand-in for the people. I am reading him as uh, the military asset mm-hmm. being employed exactly. by a, a state entity. Well, I,
3: I actually am reading him more that way, which is why I'm interested by his choice to walk away and let the oligarchs, as you've labeled them, I'm reading them as a stand-in for the people, because they are the ones that take the power back themselves, Swayze realizes it's not his job to do that for them. He has a personal stake, and once his personal stake is satisfied, he, number one, chooses to put away violence, and number two says, this is your liberation, not mine. If you want this, you're going to have to take it yourself.
1: And in the scary nation-building um, synthesis of these two ideas, then we topple a dictatorship, and then we leave a weak government, and, leave, and then we uh, go
3: fucking the lake. And go do something...
1: <laughs> altogether different, right? And we have a wreck moving right along. So Dustin is against small business success. You heard it right here, folks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what I said. <laughs>
0: uh, Just remember, for a good Buick, call Dustin. That's <laughs>
1: such a great book. Always call me for a good Buick. Um, <laughs> you drive a Buick, right? I Not anymore. That's no, I right, you I, don't. I, I, I drive a Mercury Grand Marquis. That's right. Close enough. That's how you spell success. You know sexy. who does drive a Buick? Or
3: did? Ah, damn it, she doesn't. Dr. Girlfriend. Dr. Girlfriend used to drive a Buick.
1: Okie dokie. Well, there you go. Dear listener, we have given you some analysis to ponder. We hope you ponder it well and uh, consider what we've said and consider how we are wrong. Um, Find some other way to uh, synthesize. Do a dialectic of what Dalton and I have said. Find some way to engage the things that Arthur Gordon has said because that's what makes us all worthwhile. Guys, we are doing this sort of conversation stuff about movies all the time and we love movies. We're doing the podcast so we can talk to you and we can have a conversation with you. We come to a point in our show now when, where we must render a verdict. Shelf or trash, Elsewhere instead. I go to you first, Caleb Masters, what do you say? Shelf trash, Elsewhere instead.
2: I mean, I said it in my review, I, I I I really don't care to see this movie again. I am not gonna, I I I don't think it's a very good movie. I don't really like it, but I'm glad you guys found a lot of really meaningful insightful analysis here. this, this is a movie that I just have problems it just is not connect with me very well so personally it's going to go in the trash and if I am going to watch a, t- a movie about rule America that's really going to challenge me that's going to challenge me I think it's actually a, a really good well made well crafted film that's not being silly over the top I'm going to look at Winter's Bone uh, which is that's another movie where I like I watched it and I was like oh, this it's it was great, but I was like, this hits way, way too close to home. Uh, great, great film, and that's where uh, uh, J-Law, you know, got her big break. So I think that's definitely worth... Uh, when, uh, John Hawks, also really great a great film to check out. Another one about a different type of rural America that I highly recommend would be Fargo. We always forget that's uh, somewhat of a kind of out in, I don't know, middle no, America. That's a great pair Yeah, of this yeah. movie. Yeah, and then uh, lastly, well, Grips of Wrath, I'll just throw that in there. And lastly, to pair, pair with my game. The first Transformers, Michael.
1: <laughs> All right, thank you very much for that, Mister Caleb Masters, Mister Arthur Gordon. What is your selection, Shelf or Trash, Else or Instead?
0: I think I'm going to say Light Shelf because I did enjoy this, and I paid the same amount for it uh, to purchase it on DVD as I would have if I had tried to rent it. Uh, so I think that's fair. Um, with it, I think you watch the antithesis of this film, Straw Dogs. Heck <laughs> and Paul would have hated Roadhouse, and he would have hated nice. Dalton. Uh, and they actually ended me much of the same manner. Uh, and so check that out. Then you got to watch Dwayne Johnson walking tall. When you watch walking tall,
2: oh, I, oh, weirdly, oh man, I've got hypocrisy here because I actually really like Dwayne Johnson walking tall, Ooh, <laughs> but it's the same, Cotton, it's the same, Cotton it's the same, it is, it is, one of them, I, I'm a, yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right, <laughs> I
4: know
1: I'm right.
2: And
0: finally,
1: they're, they're both shitty movies. Finally,
0: because of Sam Elliott. You got to watch *The Big Lebowski*.
1: Fair enough. I like that selection, Mister Arthur Gordon, Mister Dalton Stewart. I am going to be shocked. I'm sure. Shelf for trash, else or instead. I, I am going to shop it. I think it is one of the the great B
3: movies of all time. I, I think it is it is one of the it is peak American action cinema. Uh, I Ugh. think I think it should be right up there. Um, <clears throat> now again, it's it's no. Die Hard. It's no Predator. It's no T two. But I think it's easily as good as uh, you know other you know B selections from that same era, like Commando. And um, well, Commando is the first one that came to mind. I can't think of anything else on top of my head. Um, but yeah, or, or all the fucking bullshit that um, Chuck Norris did mm-hmm. in the late eighties and early nineties. I think it's twice as good as any the that Octagon, stuff. for example. So the, yeah, and Delta the, Force. Delta Force. Yes, exact. Missing in action. I think it, I, I, The fact that this movie did not do gangbusters at the box office is a real shame. Because uh, I, I think it is it is peak late 80s, early 90s action film. I, I think it, it belongs on your shelf for anybody who is interested in this kind of thing. Because it, it is good trash. It is exactly what we are talking about when we talk about good trash. Uh, so for that reason, I think it's very shelfable. Uh, to pair with it, uh, I would recommend another uh, kung fu movie we've talked about on the show that I think has more... Uh, going on than you would uh, believe on the surface, and that's The Raid Redemption, which I think also touches on the idea of a you know the, the warrior monk, the pacifist, with the you know, peak capacity for violence. Uh, I would also recommend um, just because it came up earlier, but also because I watched it within the same weekend, uh, Out of Time uh, with Denzel Washington, which is also about a small town. Totally different movie. Could could not be more different. It, it is a thriller that's got maybe one action scene. Um, but it's very good and um, kind of deep plays at some of the same small-town dynamics. Um, I would also recommend Terrence Malick's The Thin Red Line, which I think is probably one of my favorite films that does play with this topic of the capacity for violence versus the desire to not do violence. Um, So I would definitely recommend that as well. And I, I think that'll, that'll do. Uh, I, I had a couple more in my back pocket, but I, th- I think that'll work for my recommendations. I think those would all make really interesting pairings with this movie.
1: All right, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I am going to say Trash. I am sorry. It's a fun movie. If it's on cable or you're cha- changing channels and you happen to see it, go ahead and stay there and watch it. If it's streaming again, go ahead and catch it that way, but don't buy it. It's just, it's not worth that as a film, but it is definitely worth the watch if the opportunity sort of presents itself. Um, what I would say you would watch instead, uh, Patrick Swayze in Next of Kin. And uh, that is uh, that is more of a workers' revolt, because it's all about hillbilly mountain boys uh, taking it to the man because somebody killed their cousin, and uh, good times are That's had funny. by all. Um, also, in terms of, I don't know, this idea that I was giving in my political reading, check out the documentary, no. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and... That way you can see a little bit of what our foreign policy in Chile specifically um, has to do with what I was saying a little while earlier. And so those would be my recommends. We move on now to the end of the show, dear listener. Thank you, dear co-hosts, for um that great analysis and uh, shelves and trashes else's instead. Thank you, dear listener, for all your listenership thus far into the show. We come now to the end, and we gotta talk about next week. Next week we have a host pick from our regular co-host, Miss Alexander Bohannon, who wasn't on the show ordinarily,
4: but sup, fools? I was making a movie for uh, over the course of forty-eight hours, like Mister Caleb Masters here, except that uh, I had to like help. Fill out lots and lots of paperwork today. But Alex,
1: you have a host pick, right?
4: I do. I do. What yes, I do. Oh man, you guys. I, I okay. I have to say, since I can be self-indulgent because this is my host pick, that the the host picks I have had for the show. Um, have have not been super self-indulgent. i kind of been picking, like, oh, y'all would like this. Uh, we should do Money Python in the Holy Grail. We should do Gone Girl on the show. Um, we should do, well, Veronica is a little self-indulgent, but no, we're being fully self-indulgent because I get to pick a bad movie. This is uh, a 2005 movie starring Will Ferrell, uh, Nicole Kidman, uh, Michael Caine. Ladies and gents, we're doing Bewitched.
2: <laughs> oh, fuck fuck you know, I'm actually less upset about that than I am this movie. Yeah,
4: okay. good, good. Yeah, this I I. Thank you, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> I I love this movie so. Unironically, I know it's terrible, but I have it on DVD. You can get it on Netflix. Um, it's it's so fun. It's so fun. It's a great, great fun movie.
1: Alex, God loves you.
4: I'm, I'm trying. That's okay.
1: All right. Well, thank
4: you. Colin. Happy birthday to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there you go, dear Lester. Take a look at Roadhouse. Take a look at Bewitch, and have a conversation because that's what makes this all worthwhile. It's not about the 90 minutes in the bucket of popcorn. It's about the conversation. So keep watching and keep talking and we'll see you all next time.
0: The Good Trash Genrecast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandra Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Love We are also too proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genrecast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.